Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. Monday night we began this new series called Journey Towards God and I've basically taken these scripts and uh, I'm using them as a set of radio scripts and they've been published as a paperback book called Journey Towards God. So if you miss any episode in this series along the way, nip out to your nearest Christian bookshop and say, may I have a copy of Journey Towards God by Kel Richards, please? And they say, yes. And there you are, you have the whole lot. So we've started off by talking about life as a journey towards God and the need to have a good map. And I've said to you the best map is the Bible. And we pick it up at that point tonight. Well, so far in this series, I've been talking about the Bible as being the guidebook we need. I pointed out that the Bible, even though it was written by around 40 human co-authors, co-authors with God, over a period of at least a thousand years, nevertheless has a single plot line, a single theme running from beginning to end. And this shows there is a mind behind the Bible that is not bound by time, not limited by time and history. I've also pointed out that the Bible has changed more lives, changed them for good, than any other book ever published. In addition, I've explained that the Bible appears to be indestructible. Countless powerful leaders and governments have tried to stamp out the Bible and have confidently predicted the end of the Bible and its influence. But all of them are gone, and the Bible sails serenely on. The Bible is unstoppable. There is a clear hint in this that there is that behind the Bible that is not to be found behind any other book. Read it for yourself and find out. But the real clincher for me, the proof that God is the co-author, the controller of this book, is the fulfilment of predictions hundreds of years after they were made. In the older parts of the Bible, in the Old Testament, are many predictions about Jesus. And these are fulfilled to the letter hundreds of years later, their fulfilment being recorded in the New Testament. They're listed, by the way, in detail in my book, Journey Towards God. So if you nip out and buy the book, you'll see the complete list of these detailed predictions about Jesus and their fulfillment hundreds of years later. Read the Bible. Check it out for yourself. Your journey towards God needs a map. The evidence suggests the Bible is about the best map there is. So we're about to take the next step on our journey towards God by looking for useful information in God's book, the Bible. What we're looking for is the spot marked, you are here because that will give us our compass bearings, our map references, as it were. But just what information will we find in the Bible? What exactly is the message of that book? Well, to begin with, here are some important claims the Bible makes. Firstly, the Bible says that God exists, that this universe points to a source beyond itself, a source of great power and great intelligence. It says that whatever the physical history of the universe may be, behind it lies a non-physical reality, a conscious mind, a designing intelligence, that the absolute foundation of the universe is personal, not impersonal. The Bible claims we should be able to simply see this, see it in the reality uh, of the universe around us, see it every time we look at a starry sky, a beautiful sunset, a spectacular sunrise. The Bible says... The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The bit of the Bible that tells me that is Psalm chapter 19, sentence 1. We all know the difference between something that happens by design and something that happens by accident. It's the difference between, on the one hand, a portrait by Rembrandt and, on the other, a work by a modern painter who first blindfolds himself and then flings pots of paint at a canvas. You see, when you smell a rose or 
see the moon rise over the ocean or hold a baby or play with a kitten. It's just obvious that this world is more like a Rembrandt portrait than an accident in a paint factory. Furthermore, God holds us responsible for seeing his mind at work in the world around us. The Bible says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. The bit of the Bible that tells me that is Romans chapter 1, sentence 20. God, the Bible claims, stands in a certain relationship to the entire universe, as the one who drew up the specifications or wrote the recipe. But God stands in a slightly different, rather special relationship to us. God regards the human race as being in a unique category, quite distinct from planets and plants, animals and insects. We are said to have been made in the image of God. You'll find those words in Genesis chapter 1, sentence 27, in the image of God. Now, image here doesn't mean looks like, it means representation, represents. So we represent God within his creation by being conscious, self-aware, capable of harmonious, intelligent, intimate relationships, including friendship with God himself. In summary, then, the Bible is claiming that God is the loving maker and ruler of the world who made us to be rulers of the world under him. Well now, God not only made the world, he keeps it running. This is not a set-and-forget world, and God is not a set-and-forget creator. God keeps it running moment by moment, molecule by molecule. The Bible says of God, quote, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. The bit of the Bible that tells me that is Revelation chapter 4, sentence 11. And if we are God's agents, his representatives, then we are meant to be involved in his management of the world. In other words, this special relationship the Bible claims exists between God and us, human beings, imposes upon us a special responsibility. We've been given the keys and told to manage the property according to the owner's instructions. Now it follows that this is meant to affect how we live, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. In short, we are meant to live our whole lives as agents or representatives of a higher power, acting under instructions from a higher authority. Now, to explain what I mean, exactly what I mean, I'll give you three examples of acting under instructions from a higher authority. The first example is an army artillery officer who's engaged in combat in a war zone. He's responsible for one of those big field guns, you know, big artillery piece. He's listening to the radio to a spotter at command headquarters who can see the whole field of battle and who gives him instructions when and where to fire the gun, what elevation, what direction and so on. That's a picture of a man acting under instructions from a higher authority. But what would happen if that artillery officer turned off his radio, decided to fire the weapon in any direction that took his fancy? Sooner or later, he would shell his own troops. Second example. Picture a large cargo ship at sea, big container ship. One crew member becomes suddenly seriously ill. There is no doctor on board the ship. The captain contacts the head office in Sydney by radio, describes the symptoms. Head office calls in a doctor to sit in its office and talk to the captain on the radio. The doctor concludes that this sailor, this seaman, has acute appendicitis, needs urgent, immediate surgery. The captain will have to operate, have to perform the surgery. The captain, the sick crew man, the first mate go to the sick bay. They anaesthetise the patient and then step by careful step, the captain begins the surgery. 
doing exactly what the doctor is telling him to do step by step over the radio. That is a second picture of a man acting under instructions from a higher authority. But what would happen if, halfway through the operation, the captain thought to himself, this is not so hard. I don't know why they trained seven years to do this, and turned off the radio and just followed his own instincts. It is almost certain the patient would die. Third example. Picture one of those tiny commuter airlines that flies from little country towns to capital cities, you know, with half a dozen passengers on board, one pilot, that sort of thing. They're flying from somewhere or other out in the west of New South Wales into Sydney, but half an hour into the flight, the pilot suddenly grabs his chest, utters a cry of pain, and collapses over the controls. A businessman near the front leaps into the co-pilot seat, grabs the control column, holds the aircraft straight and level. The pilot is dead from a sudden heart attack, and there is no one on board who knows how to fly. The businessman sitting at the controls, you know, sticks on the headphones, flicks every switch, manages to make contact with air traffic control on the radio. They get a pilot into the control tower, a pilot who knows that type of aircraft, and he is there to talk him in. The businessman follows his careful step-by-step instructions as he receives them over the radio. That is a third picture of a man acting under instructions from a higher authority. But what if, as they approach the runway, the the businessman thinks this is not so hard? There's no harder than driving the family Falcon. And he turns off the radio to make the final approach and landing on his own. What will happen? In all probability, he will crash the plane, killing himself and everyone else on board. Now, remember... The Bible says we are meant to live our whole lives as agents or representatives of God, acting under his instructions constantly. But is that what we do? No, it's not. The Bible says it's not. The result is that we have killed the patient. We have crashed the plane. We have shelled our own troops. The evidence is found in every morning's newspaper, every radio news bulletin, every night's news program on television, in the tension that is found in home after home, in workplace after workplace. This is the evidence that we have, so to speak, killed a patient, crashed the plane and shelled our own troops. And the patients we have killed, the troops we have shelled, the passengers we've crashed in flames, are people known and loved by God, with the result that God is angry with the human race. We are in trouble, because we have suppressed the implications, the obligations that follow from the fact of God's existence. Well, now, this is only part of the story, but we need to understand the bad news before we understand the good news, and over the next few nights I will unpack it all step by step. This journey towards God is the most important journey any person ever takes, more important than a journey through a company from the bottom to the top, more important than the journey that you take through life as a husband or wife or parent, more important than your journey through the educational system from a beginner to someone with you know, high graduate qualifications. This is the most important journey of all, the journey towards God. So stay with us if you can. Encourage your friends to listen and stay with us through this series over three weeks, Journey Towards God. If you miss any episodes, you can grab them on the web because the episodes turn up on the website, www.christianityworks.com. If you want to start reading the Bible and you've never read it before, start with the Aussie Bible. You can find out about that on the web too, www.theaussiebible.com.au. Now, a thought for the night. comes from Romans chapter 1, sentence 20. The Bible says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, 
His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that we are without excuse. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.